Welcome to Side Effects with an A. When effect is normally used, it's a noun. It's already occurred. Effect is a verb meaning action. Action influences outcomes. I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Anne-Marie Singleton. We will provoke you to think differently. Side Effects, where problems are defined, solutions exposed. I'm Scott McGowan. Welcome to Side Effects. We have a wonderful guest with us today, Dr. Amy Meckley. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Yeah, so we met probably, what, a month ago, maybe two months ago? No, I think it's been it's been right in between, about six weeks. Gotcha, yep. gotcha. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, Dr. Meckley has an amazing story to tell. So uh, what I was really curious about is uh, your background. So can you give our audience a little background? Sure. where you came from and where you are, and we'll talk about all that stuff in between. Sure. I'll try to keep it short. Yeah. It's quite the, quite, quite the journey, quite the adventure. Um, grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, native of, of Cincinnati on the west side of town. Uh, I'm a family medicine physician. I started uh, out in Utah wanting a more aggressive uh, residency, so I was fully trained, so came back to the University of Cincinnati on faculty. Uh, was faculty full-time for six or seven years, did maternity care, loved that. Um, decided, I think the theme throughout my career, never would have planned it this way, is looking at something and saying, I think we can do this better. And then that would just plant a seed in my soul, couldn't shake it, and would dig in deeper, lean in. And as I leaned in, saw different opportunities. So um, after that, I decided to go out into private practice, um, was in private practice. So I've been in multiple settings with ap- academic physician, private pra- two private practices, one with a 12 physician group where we uh, were fully independent, the last independent uh, primary care doctors of any significant size in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. uh, the, the family medical group, wonderful group of docs. Um, and uh, at that time, I was actually before that, I decided um, to explore mind-body medicine. Uh, there were some incidents in my life, um, a tragic death of a brother-in-law that we were very close to, frustrated me as to how we were uh, looking at medicine, um, you know, as a secondary, uh, come on, try to clean up the mess as opposed to more prevention and in primary care, that's a focus of ours. So started um, looking into that, ended up studying at the Herbert Benson Institute up at Harvard, and then a secondary um, certification through uh, MindBody at uh, Mass General. Focused on cardiovascular health and preventative health. Um, took all that information, started a wellness program, um, a 12-week intensive program where we, uh, it was a lot of fun. We got a lot of people off their medications, um, did fantastic. And so I said, we need to scale this. This is something profound. This is uh, what we can do. Not that I'm against pharmaceuticals. It's just using pharmaceuticals when we need to, but knowing that what we now call lifestyle medicine, that intervention can make a huge difference. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really interesting is they say that 75 cents of the healthcare dollar is for chronic disease. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Half of that, this is my opinion, okay. is self-created disease. So whether you t- and a lot of that is uh, manifested or managed by prescription drugs. Absolutely. And actually, I think those are very conservative. Eighty percent of all chronic disease is caused by lifestyle choices. Mm-hmm. So it is. It's, it's, it's profound. So when we were able to get a method to say we can walk with you and help you change this, because it, it's, it's great to say, OK, I can do this. Sure. OK. Yeah. And as physicians with a system tells us, basically say, here, take this medicine, do this, lose five pounds, bon voyage, see you in three months. That's not effective. Same with counseling for tobacco, things like that. 
So we were able to do that, tried to scale it up through, through, to um, a few large hospital systems. One hospital system in Cincinnati became the director of wellness. Um, it was a corporate wellness program, started to institute all the things that I learned there. Um, that was effective for some, but it didn't, we were not aligned. I'll just put it that way. We were not aligned in how um, I knew this would be effective and how the system was utilizing this. So came to another crossroads and for the past seven or eight years felt that um, uh, if I go back out into practice, I was a medical director. I was also, we'll probably talk about this, a little a medical director for CPCI, which is the um, Comprehensive Primary Care Initiative. Uh, so big transformation dollars that came into primary care. So I was overseeing 16 practices, 82 physicians in this pilot transformation across the nation. Through that, understood the macro and microeconomics and the deeper business side of medicine. And through all that exposure said, okay, I think there's a, a simpler, not easy, but a simpler way for us to yeah, get to I that think triple that's, aim. So when I first met you, one of the things, so I, I wrote down all this stuff. So, so I wrote down, um, she's really smart. <laughs> so you talk about your experience and where you came from. <laughs> And then, um, you know, also uh, some of the people you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've, I've listened to um, Greg Moody speak. Yes. Um, we're really passionate about, um, you know, patient attribution uh, and introducing the medically homeless to, to physicians. It's, I mean, it's such, one is for employers, it's an easier lift than all the other things that maybe we're trying to do. And I'm talking about engagement and wellness and biometrics is the first step would be to make sure that your employees have a relationship with a doctor. Yes. And, you know, tell them Not just a card-carrying name. Exactly. Yes. But a relationship. And mm -hmm. we connect with our eyes. Yeah. So Skype and, you know, all the, all the mobile device. I mean, those are great, but you need a relationship with a physician. And then you said something. You said free market movement. And that's when my ears went up. I'm like, wow, like I have to get to know Dr. Meckley, can I call you Amy? Please. Is that all right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I've got to get to know Amy even more. And then we started talking about your experience in this uh, and then what you're doing today. But before we go there, mm -hmm. I'm really interested in your relationship um, with uh, obviously the governor and the program and Greg Moody. How, how effective do you think that that has been in the state of Ohio? It's been very exciting. Um, with all things that start, there has to be a lot of intention into laying the foundation. And I think some people were frustrated early on. Uh, they wanted results early on. Some employers, understandably, were saying, okay, we're investing in this. Um, so the, the state was able to receive a $75 million grant, a SIMS grant, uh, from the federal government. So with my work that I was doing nationally with CPCI, I was asked to come on and help with that uh, implementation of that grant. Uh, Greg Moody and his team, wonderful, laid a ton of uh, very thoughtful, intentional groundwork, really important. Then became the implementation. So now we're seeing mm -hmm. the results of that. And um, it's it's very exciting for what it could mean uh, for primary care for the state you, of Ohio. You know what I love about that grant is I think, I forget whether it be 14 or 16 states, mm -hmm. multiple states mm -hmm. were given that grant. Right. Uh, and then let's just face it, some of them probably airballed that grant. But when you th when, mm -hmm. when you think about what the state of Ohio is able to do with our resources, so you pay taxes? Yes. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> so part of that would mean that like our money is involved in that. But what I it is it that's is. an important point. It's really important so because what I be love involved. about the state of Ohio is because when we were talking to Greg Moody, hey, what's the next step? It's like, hey, how do we take this 
and how do we move this into other states? I'm like, that's the flywheel we're looking for. Absolutely, best practices. We learned from Arkansas. Arkansas was one of the earlier states to have some very strong impact upon their population with what they were doing with their Medicaid population and the monies that they were getting. You stand on the on the shoulders of giants. There's where you're looking for best practices. Learn from them. Um, implemented things in Ohio. I have other people that are now coming to me saying, "Tell me more about what Ohio did." We are really looked at in Ohio as one of the leaders in healthcare. Which at first you're thinking, "Wait, it's yeah. coasts. It's you know here and mm -hmm. there." No, it's right here because of our HIE, our health um, exchange. Uh, we had some foundational pieces there um, because of our region. Every region is different, and we have um, different payers in this region, uh, different large employers in this region, um, but uh, they're, they're doing really great things. One of the things, and it kind of ties a little bit to this free market med medicine um, idea, is they're looking for important, meaningful transparency and meaningful data to get to the right person. Um, there's a, a primary care report that they're coming out with. I, I apologize, I can't remember the exact title of the, of the paper, but it basically shows your primary care doctors, here's your referrals, here's where you refer to the most, here's their quality scores, and here's their costs. So you can easily see, okay, here's my patterns, here's the effects of my patterns, and if I make some changes, for good reason, not just for, right. you know, somebody's going to give me a pay payment or somebody's going to, for actual what is in the best interest of my patients and what's the total cost of care, that is huge for helping us shift where we can make sure our patients are getting the right care, the good care, and then we're getting information back. Yeah, one of the things that was interesting that you talked about was, um, so you've got this new organization, right? Yes. So that you've... Uh, that you've started. Yes, yes. Uh, called uh, Integrative Family Care, which was mm -hmm. really interesting because I think one of the things that you had said was that normally it would cost a physician or a practice between 30 and 40% to hire people just to handle the administration of insurance billing. Of is billing. That, mm -hmm. 40, that, approximately 40% of a primary care's mm -hmm. overhead is strictly to that, collecting your money, collecting what you're supposed to get paid. So I go to, I go to medical school. And okay. uh, Congratulations. I, get, I didn't go. <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> yeah. But if I went, then I've got no, this. Do what you're doing. I've got this huge uh, student loan, right? Right. Right. Gigantic, epic. And then I Probably enter. Probably like 200000 $300,000. Yeah, 300000 so, so then I enter this world, mm -hmm. and then 40% of my overhead is just to handle the administrative issues, right? And, and I think one of the things that I liked about you is a lot of physicians just want to get back to just practicing medicine and taking care of their patients. Doing what they're trained for. Right. And they have this economic burden of, hey, how do I handle the next steps of this? Mm -hmm. So um, when you talk about what you're doing uh, now um, with um, your practice and then integrating employers, how, how's that going? It's going really well. Yeah. It's going very well. So through this and through my, I always tease, and I was actually just talking about physicians, teaching physicians about well-being. I said, we all have a backpack. And through our lives experience, we put things in our backpack and you don't know when you're going to pull them out. So I have a very full backpack and I've been blessed to have this journey. But one of the things I realized in doing a lot of the um, uh, work that I did nationally and, and locally is the power that employers have. Because who is paying for health care? It is us as individuals through taxes as well as directly out of our pocket and employers. The payers that we could call the payers, which are typically the, the third-party insurance companies, are people who distribute that. Mm -hmm. And they have um, received a tremendous amount of influence in decision-making capacity 
um, on our behalf. And I think we have to be aware of that and make sure that that's truly aligned, which I don't believe it fully is. Um, if you look at it. And the second is, is out of our pocket. So knowing where those um, finances go and where those uh, monies go is very important. So I started looking at it and saying, okay, well, if, if those are the consumers, you know, using business terms, what do they really value? And then looked at a whole value proposition, I came across the model. I've been working this for about seven or eight years and about four years ago of direct primary care. So what you speak of is my new uh, yeah. venture. Uh, it's, it's, it's my office. Um, I decided if I'm going to go out back out into practice because I was doing a lot of administrative work, I want an office that will serve that value proposition very well, and this is the one that does it. Yeah, so we're having this conversation with um, health systems and insurance companies uh, in Columbus, in Cincinnati, and in Dayton. And I agree with you. I mean, the real payers of health care are employers and their employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, they were really never asked, um, how much should I pay for this, right? It's this, this all negotiated like behind closed doors. And, mm-hmm. and then the transaction is not transparent at all. At all. Uh, the value is very is a very hard uh, picture to paint. Uh, and employ you know employ what we found is employees for the most part trust their employees. So if I'm an employer and want to help my workforce out, I, I, I'm much better off having that conversation with my workforce than counting on an insurance company to have that conversation. Uh, and then, so your model today, what I was really curious about is, so you serve, you'll cover uh, employees, right? Mm-hmm. Their dependents. Correct. And their children. Correct, because yeah. we're family medicine, so we see the full spectrum of primary care. Mm-hmm. And then um, you probably, so when I say the word concierge medicine, like what, what goes up in your head? <laughs> I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that. No, that's just, okay. Yeah. I, I loved that question because there's a differentiator, a very significant differentiator mm-hmm. there. So direct primary care is truly a direct contract between you and your patient. If I do have a contract with an employer, we have that contract on behalf of the employee, but I also have a contract with the employee because the employee is the first and foremost person I'm taking care of. And it's a transparent transaction. You know exactly how much you're going to pay. It's a it's a dollar per month, period. Um, concierge medicine, uh, most concierge practices have a retainer fee. So for approximately 1800 up to $3,000, $5,000 per year, you have access to your doctor. So it's solving the access issue. But on top of that, they fully bill insurance so you're paying additionally for that. And so it doesn't really shift at all the total cost of care. That's what I loved about <clears throat> talking to you. And you're exactly right. So a lot of time, one is you want to physically meet your patients with your eyeballs. Absolutely. You want you want a relationship with them. Once I have a relationship, then yeah. there's convenience. Exactly. But only after we have that established I want to connect first. Yeah. And then a lot of the other models, you're right. So I pay a, a, a quarterly fee, a monthly fee, mm-hmm. uh, and I go see the physician. And they'll still charge. They still uh, take your insurance. Still take the insurance. And process, right. Whereas your economic model is it's, uh, it's one payment per month, and, uh, and I'm not going to bill the insurance. So this would be really interesting for employers that are, that are self-insured. Absolutely. So you talk about 20% of the healthcare cost is, is normally done, uh, whether it be physician-based, uh, could be outpatient-based, but a large majority of that is for office visits that are being clipped against your plan. So, hey, is there a way to levelize that or mitigate that, receive better care, right, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and I think you would agree, right? <laughs> 
and, and a more sustainable economic model and somebody that really cares about the wellness of their workforce. Right. So you don't have a, you don't have to worry about a wellness dollar on top of here's all and now I'm going to do a wellness initiative for my employees. We are the wellness initiative. Again, that's that with family medicine, we take care of the whole person and we sit down and do health goals and health plans. I want to touch on quickly something that you talked about that I think is really important. Um, the value proposition for the employers, especially the self-funded employers, when you have a patient in direct primary care practice, we're looking at anywhere from a 10 to a 38% reduction in total cost of care in year one. That's year yeah. one. Most things that we try to do, we're trying to bend that cost curve. So we're, we're talking about year one, it is a significant difference. So, you know, for somebody who's spending uh, $3.2 million of their, their self-funded money into healthcare, you know, we're talking 10 to 20 to 30% in year one comes from utilization of ER, comes from urgent care, right-sizing medications, all these things that we can do when we have time to sit one-on-one -on -one with patients. Well, and the other thing that's really interesting is, uh, you know, like I love Fitbits and some of those other gadgets. Uh -huh. uh, they're effective. Um, and somewhat for sexy some. for some. For some and most, yes. But uh, what I can do as an employer is I can have a conversation with you around what I think or what data is telling me what's important for our workforce and our current disease state right. in our workforce. Uh, on top of that, you don't want every employee. You don't no. want them all. No. So now we're able to silo, right? Here's what it looks like when everyone just stays normal. And can I say free market movement? Here's what this looks like under this model. And now we can compare the two. Absolutely. And that's where we're, we're lost in data. And we have data to have data. We want knowledge. And when I talk about quality initiatives, and I do a lot of work in, in one of the quality metrics for the whole systems, I do believe we need multiple systems to take care of the whole population. This isn't the answer. This is a significant answer for self-funded employers and for patients who are just saying, I want this kind of care, and it's available to you. But the, the, the number you should be looking at is what is your total cost of care year over year? And my only quality factor that I love to look at is do you feel cared for? If you feel cared oh, yeah. for, things line up. Yeah. But when it looks at total cost of care, if you're saying, okay, here's my population. And the reason I don't want everybody in that employee group is because I don't want to disrupt a great doctor-patient mm -hmm. relationship. But if somebody doesn't have a great doctor-patient relationship with a primary care or they don't have a primary care, that's who I would love to take care of. And then year over year, we personalize it for the employee and the employer, specifically the employer, do strategy work with them. And we look at, here's your total cost of care of your patients who are in a direct primary care practice. Here's that. And it's obvious. Yeah. Um, and again, it, we don't need a whole lot more. I do on my end. But as an employer, you just need to know that you're giving those benefits and your people are well taken care of, healthy, you know, present at their job, able to stay at their job, work in a way that's uh, fulfilling to them and to your company. Well, thanks for disrupting healthcare. We're coming up on just about 18 minutes. Okay. A couple of things that's really interesting. One is, this is Scott's opinion. Um, I think what, you, what you've done, one, you've just disrupted healthcare in a different way. But I think the other thing that's you've fine. done is you've made uh, the practice of primary care, um, in my opinion, very attractive again, right? Because I'm not a doctor. I didn't go to medical school. Uh, but I can't imagine what I, and I love what I do. I can't imagine 40% of what I do, I hate, right? Mm -hmm. So I only get to do what I love 60% of the time. 70% that you are probably hate. right. Yeah, because when it comes to just documenting and, and things like that, we have really separated the patient 
or the doctor from the patient with all of the, I mean, the EHR is something that, that uh, is significant. We need to learn how to, to work with it and live with it, but all the other things that we're asking primary care to do. In any other country that has great outcomes, it's two-thirds primary care, one-third specialist. In this country, we're two-thirds specialist, one-third primary care. And then you'll see a lot of the um, solutions are, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure primary care does that, we'll make sure primary care does that. Yeah. Well, we need time to do that in a 10-minute office visit. So it, it brings back, there are five foundational reasons I did this, and that is absolutely one of them, is for physicians to come back to the joy of practice. When you have a happy doctor who gets paid to think, right. not just to do, mm -hmm. You've got a good thing going. So if, an, if, it's, if I'm a self-funded employer and I'm listening and I want to talk to you, how, okay. how, how do I get a hold of you? Oh, goodness. Um, my website is IFC Direct. So Integrative Family Care is our practice, ifcdirect.com. Um, I'd love for you to, for people who are interested, look at that. There's a lot of information right there about direct primary care. Um, on there is info at ifcdirect.com. And you have some, do you have case studies on there as well? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a I, I, I kept it very simple, <laughs> yep. but if anybody wants questions about, okay, what about me? What about my size of employer uh, or employee, um, um, uh, corporation? What about this type of health plan? Cause it gets tricky with ERISA yeah. and, um, you have to be very sure that you're compliant. Uh, that's why I have a team that I work with. Uh, but it is amazing what you can do, and we will be saving money. We, no matter what, direct primary care will be saving money, whether we save money for you, for your employee, or for an insurance company, if they're fully funded, we will be saving money. I'd love to save it for the employees and employers so they can reinvest it. Well, I know for our Cincinnati workforce, we're looking, we're self-funded. Yep. Uh, we're, we're an employer, uh -huh. uh, and we have a workforce. Right. Uh, and so we're looking at this for our Cincinnati folks, too. Fantastic. Uh, which is really just kind of fun. Uh, we represent a lot of self-funded employers. So first of all, um, thanks for your passion and what you do. And thanks for caring so much. Absolutely. Uh, and we will put this information out on healthierbirthdays.com. Thanks for joining Side Effects. See you next time. Thanks for listening and opening your mind. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach us at scott at healthierbirthdays.com. Or Ann at healthierbirthdays.com. We hope you'll join us next time on, on Side, Side Effects. Effects.